The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. Good morning and uh, welcome. Yes, we are going to continue our series in Luke. Uh, We're going to continue in Luke chapter 9, so if you want to open your Bibles there. Uh, If not, the passages will be on the screen as well. Hold on, I should back up a little bit here sound effect but um and uh so yeah we're going to be in the book of luke uh, chapter 9 uh continuing our series in luke and uh this morning i thought maybe it would be helpful to to start here with just a little bit of a background of where we've been so far in luke um the reason that i am going to do that this morning is uh because this morning's passage actually marks this official turn in luke's gospel and this narrative and we'll explore a little bit of why he's or how he's doing that but we're it's uh, at actually a point where things are turning for luke as he's writing out uh, this gospel account and he's beginning a new section so i thought it'd be good to just pause for a second reflect on where we've been and so i have a slide up here that kind of this is from the esv study bible um, that has a, a pretty uh, succinct breakdown of the of the book, uh, and so so far uh, this year, actually, we started in December. If you can believe it, we've been in Luke uh, for six months. Uh, we started with the prologue, so it was the beginning of Luke's gospel. He was writing like this was his reason for writing the Gospel of Luke, and uh, that reason being like he wanted to encourage. Uh, the believers that he was writing to as to why they believe what they believe. And so uh, so that was his introduction to the book of Luke, a short little portion there. Uh, following that, we followed the early life, the beginning of life for Jesus on earth, uh, his, uh, his birth through uh, the Virgin Mary, and following that all the way through to uh, actually his um, his upbringing as a, as a young child, we see a little bit of that as well. Uh, and all of that focusing in on this concept of like this king is coming, right? This preparation for him, uh, including uh, his genealogy, like how he's related to King David. Uh, and then, then we go into a preparation for his public ministry. So there's a portion here of a couple chapters where we're looking at Jesus' ministry as it's about to get started on earth. And uh, in this time frame is when we've seen like his uh, temptation uh, in the wilderness. Uh, and we also see his baptism take place in there, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then finally, in the, the portion that we're actually ending uh, as of last week, we ended it last week and are beginning the new section, uh, was the largest one we've covered so far. And that was the ministry of Jesus in Galilee. And that's where we covered these miraculous events that took place and the incredible teachings. That's where uh, Jesus' uh, uh, Sermon of the Plains took place, the Blessed of the Poor, all of that um, took place in this portion of Jesus' public ministry. And again, it's not to say that he's not going to continue to have ministry, but the way that Luke structures his gospel is that from here and for the, actually the next 10 chapters, um, we're going to be watching Jesus' ministry as, it, as he makes his way towards Jerusalem, his ultimate destination for his death and resurrection. So I felt like that background, just kind of like where we've been, might be a good point to just check in and pause and, and see where we've been as we look into this next portion that Luke is moving towards. And we can kind of, kind of feel this change of pace for Luke and his gospel. So that being said, we're going to go ahead and read our passage now, um, and, uh, and then we're going to pray for God's help in understanding it this morning. So Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56 says this. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him 
who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparation for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to call to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned, but Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Let's pray. God, we're looking at this uh, short but powerful passage. Um, it's short in that it's only a few verses long, but, um, but God, it tells us a lot about your nature. It tells us a lot about why you came, what your purpose was, and why we're in our value in your eyes. And so, God, this morning, open our eyes to it. Stir in our hearts uh, adoration and love and appreciation for what you did. And, uh, God, we ask for your hand to be on this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in our lifetimes, uh, there's probably been a number of you that, uh, and myself included, who maybe faced uh, difficult challenges in our lives um, and, uh, or a difficult decision that you had to make. And in that process, you kind of had to like make up your mind that you were going to actually do this, like do this thing. Uh, and that can like show itself in a number of different ways, right? So I think of like even as simple as like, Maybe like you don't want to ride a roller coaster, but you decide I'm going to ride the roller coaster, right? And you're like, you set yourself up, you're pumping yourself up for it. Like, this is what I'm going to do. You've got your end, the end goals in sight, right? And, uh, and so you, you make your way to, to do this difficult task. Uh, maybe, for, maybe for some of you, like a roller coaster is no brainer, but for me, it's a little bit more difficult to get on a roller coaster. And, uh, but, uh, or maybe, um, you know, on a little bit more of a serious note, maybe you've had like difficult conversations that you needed, that you know you need to have, right? With a family member or a friend that you know could possibly get challenging. And there's a level of, like, you don't want to do it, right? Or there's a level, like, of temptation to skip out on it, but you set your mind to do it, and it's a difficult thing that is ahead of you. And I look at my own life, actually, and, and when, as I was thinking about this, is just thinking through times that maybe I had experienced this, uh, and, uh, and one that there was an experience of mine that happened just this past year, as many of you know, I actually um, had, uh, had, had cancer and uh, had to have a surgery to actually remove this cancer. Um, and so, again, you know, uh, sparing some of the details about all of that, but the, the purpose was that, um, you know, obviously um, <laughs> needed to take care of myself, uh, even though I didn't want to have a surgery. That wasn't my plan. Um, and that surgery actually happened on New Year's Eve, so it was kind of an inconvenient time in terms of that. But, but that being said, like, it was something obviously necessary that needed to happen, and by God's grace, I think we're over, over and through that. But, um, but that being said, there, um, in that experience, um, had to get the surgery, and if you know where my wife and I and my family live, we actually live over on the west side of Manchester. We live actually just down the road from Catholic Medical Center, which is where I needed to have the surgery. I had to be there very bright and early. We had family in town, and, and so I decided I didn't want to inconvenience anybody. Um, but there was a level, of, and I'm not sure why I decided to do this, but, like, I was walking distance from this hospital. And I decided that, you know, I'm going, I'm having the surgery, I'm getting this cancer removed, I'm going to walk. Like, I'm going to actually walk my way over to uh, this hospital and have it done. Because in my mind, you know, in turn, when you're battling or you're working through a health crisis like that, um, mentality is everything, as you know. And so in my mind, I wanted to say to myself that it was easier for me to go and have the surgery done, have cancer removed, than it was for me to even go get groceries in my own town, right? So 
So early in the morning, I woke up, you know, put headphones in, and I, it was, you know, it's only half a mile. It's not the serious track before anybody thinks that I have, was like really serious. Um, it wasn't even half a mile, but I made my way and had this, uh, had this uh, surgery done and made my, made my way there before anybody was awake to have that done. So all of these things illustrate that in our lives, right, there's times that we have to set our mind to do something that's difficult. And this morning, we are actually pausing to, to, to take a look at Jesus's uh, set face, where he actually pauses and like Luke comments on this determination, this focus on his mission and why he came. And so we're going to look at that this morning. And our, really, our main point in this is quite simple. It's this that we want to pause, reflect, and really marvel at Jesus' set face. We're going to pause and reflect on what it means for us that Jesus did this and what his purpose was moving forward. As we sang this morning already and we've been listening to um, you know, the songs and the readings, it's, it's everywhere, right? That all these things, these benefits to us, it was because of this moment and this determination of Jesus. So we're going to look at that in three ways from this passage. So the first one is going to be that uh, we're going to marvel at his determination, this d- discipline, this focus that he had. Uh, the second way is that we're going to marvel at the obstacles that he overcomes. Uh, and then the third way is we're going to actually also marvel at his gracious patience as well, um, broadly speaking, with the Samaritans. And so <clears throat> that's how we're going to break this down. And so we'll go ahead and get started with our First point here, marveling at his determination. Our first point uh, focuses in on just this short and simple verse in verse 51 that says this. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. As we look at these verses, or as we look at this one verse, um, there's actually three phrases that kind of stick out to me as I read it. Uh, it's made up of a few different components. So the first one is, uh, is this, uh, as the days drew near. So if you're familiar with the book of Luke, um, you know, we are here at the end of chapter, approaching the end of chapter 9, and ahead of us are actually, we have total 24 chapters in the book of Luke. So, uh, so Luke here is saying, as the days drew near, like, but there's quite a bit of content ahead of us um, where we have this like slow pace that's taking place after this. So Luke's narrative going forward, even though he spends a lot of time here, he's organizing his gospel in a way that focuses in on the teachings and priorities of Jesus as he is making his way towards Jerusalem. And so, so even though, yes, there's like the days drew near, it seems like the short amount of time uh, it actually is, even though we have quite a bit of narrative ahead of us. That's how the gospel writers uh, are, can be different at times, where their different priorities are. They can actually uh, select and put the information uh, to accomplish their, their overall purpose. The second phrase uh, that we see here is, uh, for him to be taken up. Uh, for, for Jesus to be taken up. And in this, in this uh, these short words, is, um, in this short little phrase, actually uh, encapsulates all of the events that are going to be taking place in Jesus' life moving forward, right? So this is going to be the process of his death, uh, his burial, resurrection, and then his ascension, his uh, eventually returning to heaven at the right hand of God. And so, so um, this word taken up is kind of like a, a summary of those dramatic events at the end of the gospel. 
And then thirdly, and again, this is where we'll focus a lot of our attention and will help inform us towards the rest of this passage, uh, is uh, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so why would someone need to set their face towards something? Why would somebody need to actually like, like you know, you get this image in your head of right this like squaring off on something, like your shoulders are turning towards it, right? Like, like you're turning a direction, you have this purpose in mind. Um, why would somebody have to do that? And we're going to see this a little bit further in the passage as well, but it's because that path isn't easy. It's not paved for somebody that is ahead of them. There are obstacles, and we'll look at those in a moment, but there are obstacles. This isn't just going to be a simple walking down the road, right? Like, if you're going for a walk in the park, like, you don't set your face to go, like, walk and take this stroll down, you know, down the path. Uh, there, there's something here of a discipline, and again, a determination of Jesus. Like, he is focused on the task at hand, this heavenly appointment of his death, burial, and resurrection. And so here we begin marking this next stage of Luke's gospel. We focus in on this set face. So what does that mean for us, right? Like, how, does that, how do we apply that to, to our life? It's by pausing and reflecting and, again, marveling that this determination, this focus, wasn't just for the sake of his death, burial, and resurrection, but it was for you and me. There's a personal note here about this. That before you knew Jesus, right, or even maybe some of you might be exploring Jesus or still learning, that his face was set for us, for you, for me, for us to be able to be part of his family, part of this kingdom. There's a personal aspect. And if you even think about it even more specifically, right? I mean, I've said you, how much more specific can you get? But think about the circumstances in your very life that have led up to this moment, knowing that God has been part of every one of them. And his end goal is to have us to pause and enjoy and appreciate his love for us and what he's done for us. It's all been leading to that. Jesus has a set face for us. Jesus is determined for us. Even when, on a regular basis, we can mess it up, when we're not the, the parents that we should be, the children that we should be, we're not the neighbor that we should be, right, the coworker, these times that we fall through, when we drop the ball, even then, Jesus is there determined for us to turn back to him. And it's as simple as that. And this is where we pause and appreciate this good news. That Jesus is always as near as just even turning back to him. And we should marvel at it. So we've looked at this determination. This is the set face of Jesus uh, here at the beginning. Now, to get a little bit more specific in those obstacles I, speak, I was speaking about, we're turning to look at the obstacles he overcame. And, uh, and a probably a better way to word this, marveling at the obstacles he did overcome. Um, uh, but uh, that being said, we'll read verses uh, 52 and 53. And it says this. And Jesus, or and he, that's Jesus, sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him. Why? Because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Because his face was set towards Jerusalem. 
So right after this uh, decision or this moment of turning in Jesus's uh, ministry, right, uh, is already immediately met with this obstacle, this opposition towards his movement towards Jerusalem. We'll actually see, obviously, more of that as he leads through his ministry and as he's on this journey. But over the next several chapters, we're gonna, Luke actually uses this phrase, like on his way to Jerusalem. He'll say that a lot through the next several chapters. Um, and, uh, and so we, we see here that, again, he's met by a media opposition. So there's a couple items here uh, to explore. So two that we'll, that we'll take a quick look at here. One, why is Jesus sending people to prepare for him, right? Um, you know, is this like a rock concert? You know, is, is like he's going like, he's like, hey, make sure they got the red carpet, you know, like make sure that the water is room temperature, all that stuff. Like, is it, is it like that? Or is it, uh, you know, um, you know, or like, uh, is it, uh, yeah, just this pompous, you know, self-centered focus? Um, we'll look at that. The other thing that we're going to look at is why are the Samaritans rejecting him just because he's going to Jerusalem? We're going to unpack that a little bit more as well. So um, just a quick historical note in terms of why Jesus would have sent people to prepare for him. Uh, that was not just because he like, you know, was acting out in some kind of king big-headedness. Um, no, in fact, um, it was actually an act of kindness towards the people that, um, of that village or town. See, in those days, uh, towns and villages actually frequently had to host travelers through, right? It wasn't, uh, wasn't quite as simple as just booking an Airbnb when you're going through. It was actually that they had to make sure there were preparations for them. Now, we'll see in chapter 10 in just several verses that Jesus, is, uh, his posse is quite large. He actually may have even upwards to like 70 people following him. And so Jesus is actually sending people ahead that this making preparations is actually to make sure that that town or village has the like infrastructure to support, like they'll have enough places for them to stay, they'll have enough food in the town, right? So it's giving them the opportunity to be able to uh, be hospitable to this group coming through. And so that's why Jesus sent them. So that's more of just like a historical note. On the more important uh, historical note in terms of our passage here, why the Samaritans are rejecting Jesus. Um, the Samaritans here are actually, uh, you, well, we don't have time to dive into all of the, the depth of the history of why the Samaritans and the Jews actually uh, were quite, quite prejudiced towards one another. Um, but I'll, I'll pause here and just kind of comment on a, we're not going to look at it, but if you may remember, Jesus actually has several encounters with the Samaritans through, through his uh, ministry. And one of them is actually, uh, the, where he meets the Samaritan woman by the well. You may remember that title in a, in a Bible passage, right? But um, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman by the well. And in this conversation, uh, she gives actually a little bit of um, insight as to why um, maybe Jesus wasn't accepted in the Samaritan town. At one point, she actually says to him, like, uh, you, you are with the Jews, and you say that we worship in Jerusalem, but we say that we worship here, right? And so she highlights and they had a different perspective on where God ought to be worshipped. See, um, again, I won't get into all the details, but the Samaritans were actually uh, quite, um, you know, re um, uh, resistant towards the concept of being worshiping God in Jerusalem. They thought that God should be worshipped on a different hill city, and uh, and so there's this conflict that happens. And so what happens is Jesus immediately goes to this town. They find out his motives, which is that he's going to Jerusalem, and uh, they won't accept him because of this. Um, this creation of where God should be worshipped in their mind. <clears throat> and so uh, the Samaritans show us that this first obstacle that Jesus needed to overcome. 
Um, but this isn't the only uh, obstacle that Jesus will overcome. We know that Jesus has set his face towards his end goal and that there's a number of obstacles. Namely, ahead of him is rejection. He's going to be slandered against, like he's going to be lied in, in a court situation. Uh, he'll be lied about, lied about. Even more extreme, that he knows that there's beatings ahead of him, physical abuse, and even the worst type of execution that one could sustain through crucifixion. And all of this is under this, this, the even heavier weight for Jesus, that he is going to be embracing the judgment of God for the people. This is the obstacle. These are the obstacles that are ahead of Jesus. But it's also worth noting that it's not only pain that is ahead of Jesus. Hebrews 12, and I'll have this on the screen as well, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, talk a little bit about this mindset that Jesus has looking ahead. Uh, the context of this is looking at, um, you know, uh, previous, uh, uh, previous uh, people of God and looking at them and being encouraged in our own faith. Uh, and so this passage says this, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these saints um, and other, other believers, um, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then here is uh, here's, uh, where we'll pay attention closely. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews gives us an important insight into this set face of Jesus, that it wasn't just pain and obstacles, that beyond those things was a joy, a happiness for Jesus. And again, to emphasize why we should be marveling at this, that joy is you and it's me. It's us being brought in to enjoy him, to glory in him, to appreciate and love him. Jesus had a lot of obstacles, but none of them, not one of them, deterred him from what was ahead. Not one of them stopped him, stopped him from doing what needed to be accomplished for our sake. And we look at that and we, again, marvel at it. But not only that, we learn from it. In our lives, we have obstacles. We have things that we're going to have to overcome, right? But we also can make like Jesus and set our face through them, knowing that the end of these things can be both life for us, but goodness for those around us. That maybe not everybody will see eye to eye or appreciate the values that you have or what you believe. But at the end, and we'll look at this a little bit more in a second as well, but at the end, there could be life for them as well. And so we also have patience as we go through and endure. So we looked at his determined face uh, for us. And now that we see that no obstacle was too great for him to overcome for us, now we turn our attention to how his gracious patience pays off. And so point three here, marveling at his gracious patience. We'll read this together. Uh, it's verse 54 and through 56. And that says, 
And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he, Jesus, turned and rebuked them. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Just, uh, just I don't know why that reminded me of it, but, um, but uh, happy Father's Day. Um, and then verse 56, and they went on to another village, uh, and they just moved on. So we look at this, right, and we see uh, that James and John, right, they, they turn it up to 11. Like, they're, they're, like there's, no, there's no in-between here, right? It's not just like, oh, well, that, that stinks, and now where are we going to stay tonight, right? Like I, like, I would hate to be, like, the waiter who got their, like, order wrong, right? Like, that they're, like, immediately, like, let's burn it down, right? Like, or, like, or this is the equivalent of, like, a hotel not having, like, vacancy or something, and they're just like, yeah, this place is going to be ashes. Um, so James and John... Uh, they're they're asking God. They're asking Jesus, like, do you want us to like call fire down from heaven? Uh, and and although we can be quick to laugh at James and John uh, for their extreme reaction here, uh, I think that it also uh, is important to recognize that they have a, they have a concept that they're fulfilling here. They actually are thinking back to a specific scenario um, in Second uh, uh, Kings chapter one. It's just the very first chapter of Second Kings, and we, we don't have that up here, but I'll just kind of summarize that story. Uh, we have a scenario where Elijah um, is, uh, is actually uh, asked by God to go in and intervene those messengers that were on their way. These messengers happen to be Samaritan messengers as well, uh, and so this could likely be what James and John are thinking of. Uh, but the situation happened. A king uh, was uh, out on his balcony. He falls through the balcony, and he thinks that he may die. And so what he does is he sends his messengers. He's like, I want you to go ask Baal, this rival god. I want you to go ask this god if I'm going to die or if I'm going to live. So these messengers are on their way to go ask Baal. And that's when God comes to Elijah and says, why are these messengers going to Baal? Like, I am the god in Jerusalem. I'm there. Like, I, like all they have to do is ask me where they're at. Uh, but instead, he's sending these messengers to go. So Elijah goes and uh, meets with these messengers. There's a back and forth. And, uh, and at a certain, a certain point, um, this king sends soldiers to go to Elijah, Samaritan soldiers. And, uh, and in this scenario, God does call fire down and uh, eliminates those soldiers in that, in that story. So James and John, they have a framework. You know, this is what they're looking for. It's like, okay, like, you know, the, you know we, God did it here, so maybe we can do it here, right? And so Jesus obviously rebukes them, uh, turns them away from that, says no. Because, and I think this is the most important part of this, Jesus is not on a path of judgment here for others. Jesus is on a path to receive judgment for others. See, Jesus isn't here. He, this isn't fire time. This isn't time for him to, to bring this judgment. There will be a judgment. But this time is a time where Jesus saves. Uh, he said it elsewhere in the Gospels, like, I have not come to judge, but I've come to save. And that's what is taking place here. Um, Jesus is really fleshing out this concept that, that we read about in Second Peter, and I'll have this verse on the screen as well. Second uh, Peter chapter three, uh, verse nine. It says this. <clears throat> it says, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance." Jesus is fleshing out this, this stage of his mission. And I'd argue that we actually continue to be in this stage of the mission, that now is not the time for judgment. 
Now is the time for Jesus to extend grace and mercy, forgiveness, acceptance to those who come to him and turn to him in repentance. And so we see Jesus fleshing that out. It's even more deep than that and even more specific for the Samaritans. Um, Jesus, so if you think about the book of Luke, uh, the book of Luke uh, is part one of a two-part series that Luke writes. So he wrote, obviously, the Gospel of Luke. It's got his name on it. Um, but he also wrote the book of Acts, which actually is meant to be like the second part of Luke. So whereas the Gospel account that Luke wrote is Jesus' earthly ministry leading up to his death and resurrection and all the implications of that, Jesus or Luke writes those things. But, Jesus, but Luke also continues that story through the book of Acts, where he's exploring how Jesus' ministry continues, but not through his earthly presence, but through his people in earth, on earth, uh, through the local church, which is the exploration of the book of Acts. Luke kicks off that account in, uh, with this, um, uh, this um, quoting of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see that the eyes of the Lord are on the Samaritans. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. This is Jesus, Jesus talking to his disciples right before his ascension, where he returns to heaven. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Even the very towns that rejected him on this, on this path, on his focused mission uh, that, uh, for us, Jesus includes them on being, being hearers, being hearers from these witnesses of his goodness. But even more specifically, uh, we can actually even tie in a little bit further God's uh, love for these people because Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 17, we'll read that together says this, and it should be on your screen. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem, this is much later uh, in the history of the church, when the apostles in, at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And he had not yet, uh, as he had not yet, the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on in the, any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. It says, and the, so again, verse 14, And the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word. So this group that had rejected Jesus originally, Jesus does not let fire come down on their heads. Instead, uh, withholds this, this call of judgment. And later we see that Jesus' patient, gracious patience pays off. They eventually do receive the Word of God. And so we look at that and we recognize two, two things. One, that Jesus' patience has been good to, to us as well. That we've all been on that side of Him, whether in a moment, in a moment of our life or maybe there's long periods of our lives where uh, Jesus was not the focus of our attention, our affections, and our love. But Jesus was patient with us. And maybe even this past week, you know, if you're like me, there's been moments in your week where Jesus was not the, the focus of your attention and your affections and love. 
But Jesus is still patient towards us, long-suffering, as we read a little other places. And so there's a goodness where we marvel at this, that that paid off for us and can pay off for us if we turn to him. And then we finally look at this, that also it's a call for us to be patient with others. Because the Samaritans were wrong. Like, they should have housed the Lord Jesus when he was on his way to Jerusalem, right? That, like, they obviously were not in the right by uh, rejecting him there. And so we, in our lives, will see that. We're going to experience it. There's going to be times that uh, we're misrepresented. There's going to be times where people misunderstand or judge your motives. Uh, there's going to be times where they, they just simply are outright, um, you know, obstinate towards the truth of God's love. But we, we reflect Jesus, and that we're patient, hoping that one day, like the Samaritans, they'll turn. Now, that's not to say that all the Samaritans turned, but that being said, um, they at least had this opportunity, and there was a focus of the gospel renewal there. And so um, we look at these, these things, and as we pause and we reflect on what we've looked at so far, we're encouraged, again, to marvel at these things. One, that we are going to marvel at Jesus' determination, that he was focused on us. He set his face for us. We're going to marvel at that, the fact that, that he had no shortage of obstacles ahead of him, and we'll continue to read them throughout the weeks. But they were not too much for him to focus on us to overcome for us. And then thirdly, we marvel at his gracious patience, that when he was rejected, that he waited for God's goodness to reveal itself to them. And that paid off. And so we marvel at these things, and we ask God to continue to help us to open our hearts and our, and our eyes to these glorious truths. So let's pray and ask him for that. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for this morning. We're thankful for... Um, just the, the truth and the beauty of what you do for us. Um, God, that, uh, that your eyes were on us. This was a difficult and challenging and, and probably scary thing, but you were determined and you were focused. Not, um, you know, and, and, and we were the end goal of that, and God, we're just so thankful to be able to know you. Um, this is different than anything we've ever seen or experienced in any other part of our lives or the world's history. Um, Jesus, you alone did what needed to be done for us. And so we're grateful for it, and we want to marvel at it this morning. And I pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.